When injury takes you out of the game, it's time for your team to step up. At Alina Health Orthopedics, you'll get expert care backed by a whole health system of providers. With convenient locations, virtual options, and an app that gives you 24-7 access to your records, test results, and care team, you're always close to the care you need. Schedule now at alinahealth.org slash ortho. I'm Colin Martin, and you're listening to the Sound of the Loons podcast. afternoon or evening depending on when this finds you welcome to the sound of the loons podcast presented by alina health orthopedics i'm your host steve mcpherson and it's june which means it's pride month a celebration that minnesota united has gotten strongly behind for years now i'm really looking forward to this conversation today here with former mnufc player colin martin and former minnesota strikers player tony bono uh, Colin came out publicly on the day of Minnesota United's Pride game in 2018. Uh, Tony came out following his professional career in 2001. Is that correct, Tony? That's correct. Okay. Uh, those are obviously just, you know, two points of reference, though, in a pair of lives that, uh, you know, covered the soccer uh, uh, landscape. And it's very exciting to get uh, to bring the two of them together to talk about uh, their experiences here as, as gay athletes. So um, maybe I'll start with uh, Colin, I think. Um, you know, Minnesota United sports fans uh, are, are hopefully familiar with you, but in case in case they haven't, uh, you know, they, they came on after you were part of Minnesota United. Uh, a little bit of your background, uh, your experience with Minnesota United and, and you know, uh, your playing days now. Yeah, thanks. Thanks for having me on. Um, yeah, so I've been a pro now for I think this is my ninth season, eighth or ninth season. Um, I was a homegrown at DC United. So that means for, for those of you that don't know, I played in their youth system growing up and um, I was there for four seasons. And then I got traded to Minnesota back in I think 2018 um, for the first inaugural season. And then I was there for three seasons. And um, now this is my second season with uh, San Diego. So um, I grew up in Maryland and um, I grew up playing for Bethesda Soccer Club for, for those of you that know that club. And then eventually DC United. Um, and then in between that, before I went professionally, I played one year at Wake Forest as well. So, yeah. Excellent. Uh, and Tony, I believe, are you in Maryland now? I, I am and very familiar with the Bethesda group. And uh, yeah, so I'm uh, about 45 minutes from actually D.C., but in a, right near Columbia, Maryland. Mm-hmm. Nice. Oh, nice. Yeah. And so tell me, give us a little bit of, uh, of your background. You're obviously, uh, yours goes back a little farther than Colin's. So. Yeah, I'm, I'm a little older, to, to say the least, but that, that's okay. I guess uh, we bring different, different aspects to, uh, to, to this conversation. So I started the, uh, the process, I guess, of my professional career in Houston playing outdoor, but there wasn't really a league. So that was back in 1984 or 85. Uh, there wasn't really a league uh, to play in. All the leagues were were uh, disbanded. So they had an international schedule. And during that time, I was actually drafted by the Minnesota Strikers. So I played three years in Minnesota and then uh, the MISL folded. And so it, w- it was just indoor that you could play at the time. So there was no no outdoor 
uh, leagues, unfortunately, or professional anyway. And so I bounced around, I guess, to, I was with Dayton for eight years, Dayton, Ohio, and then uh, Chicago, um, and then also Milwaukee and ended my career in Philadelphia. So went to Drexel University uh, on a scholarship and uh, I was a 1984 All-American, first team All-American. So, so what was that? I, I mean, obviously we're going to want to hear about your Minnesota Strikers stuff uh, specifically as, as a Minnesota soccer podcast, but I mean, can you give us a little snapshot of just what it was like in those days when leagues were forming and folding and, you know, teams were, you're getting changed in like trailers and stuff like that. I've heard some wild stories about that. Well, it, it's crazy because when I was growing up, it was the NASL and, and the Minnesota kicks. Right. And so it was, I want to play in that league. You know, that's, that's what I was shooting for. And then a few years before I got out of college, they've folded. And then there was another league called the American soccer league and that folded. And it's like, Oh, you know, how, how do I make a living? Where do I go? You know, and um, went overseas. I was in Germany for a summer and I had the opportunity when I was in college to stay in a town called Schreckel, uh, which was where Schelke No Fear plays and uh, decided to come home and finish my last year in college. But um not sure that was the right move now, but, <laughs> but no, it was, it was crazy to have so many leagues just fold before your eyes. And, and the MLS came when I was, I guess, towards the tail end of my career. So it was not really an option because at that point I was playing my indoor season, having surgery during the off season from knees and ankles and then playing again in the fall. So, yeah, <laughs> that's it's quite a lot to keep to keep going through, <laughs> and I imagine. And so, Colin, you the, the, even though for you though the 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 structure of the league and things like the homegrown process and academies and things like that, you've even seen that change over the course of your relatively short career. I mean, soccer is still sort of coming together as a sport in the United States in a lot of ways. For sure. I mean, when I got into the league um, in MLS, the growth that it's made, like from from then until now is crazy um just with the quality the money um the stadiums um but but more so i think the quality of play like and, and then in turn i mean when i first was playing for dc united i would go and i played a handful of games uh with the richmond uh kickers on loan and so to see the level of usl that it is now compared to basically when i was like six seven years ago um, playing for the Richmond kickers is crazy as well. Like the USL is a pretty good league now. Um, and I, I think it's, uh, it's made crazy strides just as, uh, the MLS has. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I remember just like training with the guys that like were original members of the league and kind of hearing stories from them mm -hmm. and hearing basically, I mean, they would, they would, they would tell us, I mean, how lucky I think, I was around the age where I started to get like where younger guys started to get contracts that the older guys were like, dude, you guys have no idea. And we were like, well, I don't know. I mean, this is, this is a great, this is a pretty good contract out of college, but like, like, don't get mad at me, you know, <laughs> like, um, but uh, I think it was important to have that perspective, you know, like guys like Bobby Boswell or like, uh, I mean, we just saw Jeff Lorenowitz retire, but like guys like them that were making what $16,000, $20,000 when they first came in the league, and now you have a guy like me that's making decent money. I haven't done anything in the league. 
And uh, so there's just this crazy discrepancy, but, um, and then now even more, like there's, there's young guys that really haven't like necessarily played a ton of games, but they're making good money and that's how it should be because it's a hard job and, and they deserve it. So. Yeah, for sure. Tony, did you, did you have to have, did you have like side jobs? Did you have like a part-time job and played soccer or, or, or how did, how did that go for you? No, it, it was, it was a full-time job um, and made, Again, decent money coming out of college, but we had some guys that uh, Tino Letteri mm-hmm. um, and uh, Ray Hudson and and some of the other guys were were making very good money at the time. Nothing, nothing like they're making now in the MLS. I mean, but again, um, you were thankful that you were able to do what you loved, and 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 I was thankful that I didn't have to have another job. Um, in the ML uh, or MISL, we didn't have to do that in some of the other leagues I played in. There were guys on our team that, that did have uh, part-time jobs as well. Yeah, it was, it was kind of the wild west. I've heard from Manny Lagos about, you know, early oh, MLS yeah. days and, and playing in some stadiums that, you know, like having train facilities that were basically like they went out and lifted in the parking lot, like to <laughs> get, get some kind of training on, which is pretty crazy. So um, I mean, even still in the USL now, I mean, there's guys that, that have to think about having other jobs or, or at least like side hustles, right. Whether it's coaching teams or individual training. And um, I mean, that's still the reality now for guys, you know, I mean, even, even, even for me, like I'm always thinking about ways I can be not necessarily financially, but ways I can be growing off the field, you know, for, for when I stop playing, you know? So um, that's just, that, that's just the reality. So. Yeah, I, I think even in, in sports where, you know, like you look at, at, at uh, leagues like the NBA, which is, you know, people are making even more money. Um, it, it's such a short window, you know, like mm-hmm. you, if, if, no matter how much money you're making, if you're making that money for, for six, seven, eight years, maybe 10 years, you still got a lot you know, of, yeah. of life left to live. And you got to sort of work on expanding those, those skill sets so you can do stuff off the field at the end of your career. Yeah, for sure. Um. So let's talk a little bit about, um, you know, I'd like to talk to you, Tony, about your experience, um, you know, as a, as a, as a gay man playing um, sports, which is, you know, for so long has been an arena that, um, you know, has, has sometimes had difficulty accepting, um, you know, gay athletes, transgender athletes, it's a battle that's still being fought constantly. Um, Also, but also soccer has now become in a lot of ways in America, you know, a, a, a leader as far as, as sort of teams trying to put forward acceptance, diversity, and, and promoting these, these values as well. Um, it's obviously a huge topic and, and, <laughs> you know, like I, I don't want you to necessarily have to compress it into a quick soundbite here, but just, you know, maybe just start that conversation about, about your experience um, uh, in professional sports. It, it, it was difficult for me at best. Um, I had no role models to, to look up to really. Um, where what Colin has done has provided some younger kids coming up the opportunity. Um, I wish I would have been as brave as Colin. Um, but, you know, at the time it was my livelihood and I wasn't willing to risk losing everything and having, having to quote unquote, get a real job. Um, love, love doing what I was doing. Um, and unfortunately, hiding myself was part of that. Um, the conversations in the locker room were very different than they are today, I'm sure, with the language used and even on the field. Um, 
And so it it was really difficult to be able to uh, strive as a gay man and and play, knowing that you know I'd I'd leave the arena and and just go down into uh, downtown Minneapolis, ride around the gay bars and looking to see what gay people look like, just and then go home, you know, and and try to quote unquote fit in with the team. So it was pretty difficult, um, very much alone, um, but uh, you make it work because that. You, you love doing it. And again, props to Colin for coming out um, and, and having, having the, the uh, gumption, if you will, to be able to do that and to help some of our younger people and younger athletes to do that. That's awesome. Yeah. Colin, what was the, you know, I, I, I've, I've talked to you about it before, but, but, you know, what was, give a little insight into your sort of decision um, to come out, uh, you know, like how you, how you approach that, if you had, you know, who were your role models for making that decision? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it, it pretty much um, just got to a point when I was in my second season where um, I had been so out in, in my private life and more so privileged to be so accepted by my family and friends and teammates that I just couldn't live with the fact that like I would be not completely open. And um, it got to the point where I had, I had stopped lying to friends, to, to teammates, and that took a huge step. And it's sort of like, you keep on taking these big steps and it's like, well, what's next, you know? And, and, and what was next was, was actually being a public figure in this. And, and, and it's not something you ever really uh, feel like you should have to do or, or want to do really. Um, and it actually took a friend that was living across um, the street from me in Loring Park, my, one of my best, best friends in Minneapolis, uh, and he, he was gay and he basically he urged me to really think about it. And he was like, you, you don't know how big of a deal this could be. And to be honest, I didn't, I really didn't. I was, I'm, I'm not that naive of a, of a person, but I, I'd say I was naive by um, how, how powerful it could have been, you know? And so once I put that in my mind and how I really could make a difference, then I was, I just tried to, to figure out what was the best way to do it. Um, and then obviously that, that, that came right around the time of, of pride. And I thought, okay, what, what better way to, to, to do this than engage with the community that we have here in Minneapolis and, 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 and kind of celebrate it with, with our fans and, and, and um, the broader LGBTQ community. So I have a, I have a question for you, Tony. Um, when did you kind of like, were you able at all to, I mean, you said you, you kind of went, went to bars and, and, and checked out the scene a little bit in Minneapolis, but were you able to um, kind of explore your sexuality at all while you were playing or were you pretty much just, closeted and, and, and figuring some things out, but not really exploring much. So that's, that's a loaded question. <laughs> I know. Sorry. No, 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 that's, that, that's okay. Um, so was I able to explore? Yes. As a, um, as a person that, um, was not, uh, I never stepped foot into a Minneapolis bar. Mm. Um, never stepped foot um, into a, a gay world in Minneapolis, but uh, there were ways to find um, hookups, if you will. Yeah. And unfortunately, um, that's what it that's what it turned into. I I met a great guy, uh, still friends. He lives in the D.C. area now. We've been friends for over thirty some years, 
Um, and, uh, and so I was able to explore a little bit with him. Um, and then uh, as time grew on in my career, I, I started to step out a little more. Like you said, I was living, living a lie to myself, but I, I'd go to bars when I was in Ohio. I'd drive two hours to go to a bar mm. and walk into the bar with a, a baseball cap over my eyes so nobody would see me. And yeah. you know, it, it was that that type of thing. Um, but it, it, it was difficult. But um, again, you love the game. And, and I didn't want to I didn't want to give it up. But mm. uh, there there something happened in Dayton where I was very close to a woman um, and she. Uh, I, I came out to her and that was the first time I actually said I'm gay. And uh, we were friends for about a year, year and a half. And she started to get very close to me and uh, we were in my house and she said, I'll, you had a little argument. She said, I'll tell everybody what you are. Mm. So that was the last time I spoke to her. And at that point I'm like, I need to do something mm. to figure this out. So, mm. and <laughs> And if I if I could, Steve, about just coming out, I I came out differently than mm-hmm. Colin. Colin, actually, you you had again, you were brave to do that. I I on the other hand was outed by um, one of my friends who I played in the gay game or not the gay games, but the gay world championships in London um, one year, and he came back. We had lived in the Philadelphia area. He came back, and. Uh, told some of my friends that, yeah, he just was with us with the gay team in London. And so uh, got a call from one of my friends on a Monday morning and said, hey, are you gay? And I'm like, I, I have two choices, either lie or tell the truth. And I'm, I'm like, yeah, I am. So that, and that was actually, it was 2000, Steve. It, it okay. was September 10th, 2000. And so I figure I have to get to my mom and dad and tell them because they're going to hear the rumor. And uh, September 11th happened. And I'm like, all right, nobody's really caring about my sexuality here. So I have a little time before I have to find mom and dad and tell them in person. But yeah, so diff- different stories, but uh, it sucked how it was done. But it was um, a relief because I, like Colin said, you had it, I stopped lying. I yeah. stopped having to remember the lies I was telling and who I was telling the lies to. And, and, uh, sometimes you need those really hard moments to, to, to get that courage. Um, I had a similar experience when I was in, in DC, I think it was my second season with the team. And, um, I had first, uh, started to try to like meet some guys in, in, in the area. And, um, basically one of the guys started blackmailing me. I don't know if I've already told you the story, Steve, um, but he, uh, he, had, uh, he had found out who I was and had seen that uh, the, uh, one of the big Washington Post art, uh, reporters had written a story on me about doing college, um, my education and playing soccer. And so he was like, oh, well, I bet he would like to know that you're gay as well. And so he, he threatened to out me for like basically a month the Washington Post article, uh, writer, Stephen Goff. I don't know if mm-hmm. uh, I'm sure you've heard of him. Um, and so for a month, I was like losing my mind. I mean, I was like, I've, I've, I've never gone through anxiety like that or just in and, and anger, really. Like, I, <laughs> you, don't, you don't really know like anger until you like you, you have it um, in, in your body. But uh, 
anyways, once I had finally handled the situation, um, it uh, spurred me to tell my best friends. And so from a really tough situation, I was like, I have to tell somebody what I've been dealing with, you know, and then eventually you are able to tell another person and then your family and then, oh, okay, maybe your work, your teammate, you know, so it's, you got to start somewhere, even, even, even when it's real hard. So. Yeah. yeah. And I, Tony, I have been reading an interview uh, with you that you had done with, uh, I think, um, what a howler uh, magazine. Yeah. And uh, you did have a good, you did have a good uh, story of telling your parents though. I thought in that, if you, could, uh, if you could talk about that a little bit, I thought that was very, that was a great, that was a great uh, charming moment. Yeah. Well, my, my dad was blue collar Philadelphia as blue collar as you can come a truck driver. Um, and mom and dad were together for, forever and and uh just awesome i i say my mom was one of the first soccer moms there was um but uh so i finally got to go to visit mom and dad and tell them and so i i said i want to come visit you and they said oh sure and my mom's like what's wrong are you sick and i'm like no everything's fine you know it's good i just want to talk to you you never come to visit us what's wrong (laughs) so had had dinner and uh you know, everybody's looking at each other as you're eating, like, all right, who's going to say the first thing? So finished dinner, went in the other room and sat down. I said, well, I, I came down. I want to tell you something. I said, there's been a rumor floating around Philly that uh, that uh, I, I went to a soccer tournament in London. And I said, I told you I was going to London. I just didn't tell you. I, I went with my partner and uh, and I also went with a gay soccer team. And my dad's like, oh, okay. My dad was a big soccer guy. And he said, uh, so what's the rumor about? And I said, well, I'm gay. And he said, how'd you guys do? <laughs> and I'm like, we came in third. And he said, son of a bitch. He said, you think a rumor this big, you could have at least won the tournament. <laughs> and I, I thought my dad was going to be the one that just was like, really struggled uh to accept it and he was amazing so it's awesome mom of, mom of course cried and said what did i do wrong <laughs> and i'm like mom you didn't do anything wrong <laughs> my my uh, best friend today is my mom and she's awesome and so accepting and mom and dad were great but that's awesome yeah did you um you know obviously that process for you colin i i i think that coming out um, publicly, you know, um, on uh, before the the pride game for Minnesota United, obviously, Mm -hmm. we got to see, you know, tremendous response and people really appreciating it. But, you know, in your personal life, as you said, you know, this experience with blackmail, I mean, did you, I mean, you must have also had those those hurdles, not even to just people who are like, going to blackmail you or something like that, but just Mm -hmm. people, you know, you knew who couldn't really, you know, deal with it when you when you came out to them. Yeah, yeah, it's really tough. Um, and honestly, I'd say my experience as an athlete ultimately, ultimately helped me, um, because you realize that there's, there's few people you trust. Um, and, and I'd more so say their opinion of you and whether that's like in soccer or there's few people that you like come to for advice and, and whether it's friends and family and those people you, you find like, those are the people that really matter, you know? And so when you slowly realize like, oh, you know, the odd fan that's going to tweet at you and tell you you were terrible on Saturday, 
Like, I think you can leave their opinion on the side. The, the coach that, that tells you you should never play soccer when you're in sixth grade and, and, and tells you you're awful, I think you can leave him on the side. So I think eventually I had to get to that, like build up that courage where in, in understanding that, you know, there's going to be people that are going to say some really stupid things and that just aren't going to accept you. Or there's some that are, it's going to take some time and, and that's fine, you know, but I think it takes a while to get to that point. Um, and so finally, when I realized, you know, you're not going to make everyone, this isn't going to be like, it's not for everybody. Like you're not going to make everyone happy and that's fine. And, and it's not about that, you know, and, and it, it what, what more so it's about the couple hundred thousand people that really need to hear this and that, that you can hopefully inspire or, or help. And, um, and when I, when that was the focus on it, 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 it was a lot easier for me to, to not worry about the, the little stuff that was going to be um, negative or, or the people that weren't going to understand, or, or maybe the, the religious com- component from my childhood that I still maybe hadn't worked out yet, you know? So, um, but yeah. Yeah. I mean, so much of, I feel like so much of being able to be a success as a professional athlete is, is having an almost uh, like irrational level of confidence that you can do For what sure. has to be done yeah. and just putting aside anybody who says that you can't, because if you really yeah. listened, you probably wouldn't ever go out there and do it. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And, and yeah. And, and if I would have let uh, all the harsh things that were said during my playing career or, or, or words that I didn't understand, or, or best friends that said language that was, that was directly, uh, hurting me. If I, if I wasn't smart enough or strong enough to be like, you know, that actually doesn't, that person doesn't really mean that, you know, then I, yeah, I wouldn't have been in probably the position I, I would have been in. So, um, yeah, I think you're right. Yeah. But so Tony for that, um, I wanted to circle back to that, you know, you're talking about the, the experience of going to London and playing in, 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 uh, in the gay soccer tournament there was, was that sort of, was that the first time you were sort of on had a chance to be an athlete in a in that context? Well, it was actually a month before that I played with a team from Philadelphia. When I when I retired, um, one of my partner's friends played soccer in Dallas for one of the gay leagues, and he said, "Oh, Philadelphia has a team," and he hooked me up there, and and I kept. I kept saying, you know, I'm just not ready to go and play with quote unquote, the gays, you know, I'm just not ready to, to take that leap. And, um, and so I said to my partner, I got tired of him saying, yeah, come on, just go and do it. Just try it once. Just so I said, all right, I'm going to go and play in this tournament. They have a tournament. So sat down, I started putting on my things and the one guy says, Hey, I'm, I'm, you know, Peter, da, da, da. And I said, oh, yeah, I just played with your brother. We won the over 30 national championship, right? And I said, yep. He said, I said, I didn't know he had a gay brother. He said, well, they don't talk about me much, you know? So I'm like, okay. So played in the first game and I'm like, well, that's not so bad. You know, it was kind of fun. It was not not what I thought. And so second game played, so I had to find a payphone because Colin at this time we didn't have cell phones. <laughs> but uh found a payphone and called my partner at the time and said, How would you like to go to London in a month to play in a gay tournament? And to see the gay world championships in London, there were teams from all over the world, uh, many teams from from the uh the United States as well as 
all over Europe. And it, it was just, it was just incredible. Um, mm -hmm. And I, I just felt like, wow, why didn't I, why didn't I listen to my partner and, and, and do this a few years before? So, yeah, well, that's, that, that's cool. That, that element of visibility, I mean, that, it's a huge part of, I think, pride. I mean, it's, it's a very basic, um, in some ways thing, but just to, I, I feel like from, you know, my, my friends who are, um, you know, gay, lesbian, whatever, you know, like that, just to be seen and to sort of be able to be who you are, it, that that can be just such a huge um, revelation, just a feeling of like, oh, I now understand how I have not been able to really be myself for so long. Steve, can I can I jump in once again? Sorry, yeah. Um, is that um, the next year I went to Australia and played in the gay games in Australia. And so there was nothing like it. Um, walking into the stadium and seeing the packed stadium where the Olympics were held the year or a few years before, maybe a year before, and what you just said was absolutely right. I just, I just looked up and I started to cry. I'm like, I've, I played in qualifying games for the World Cup with Puerto Rico. I was MVP in an all-star game in the NPSL, all-star for a lot of years. And I said, none of that matched what I felt walking into the stadium at the gay games. Yeah. Incredible. That was That's so cool. It was, like, it was awesome. Yeah, that's amazing. That that kind of moment is just, I mean, just even hearing you talk about it, I'm like, that's <laughs> that's a chill inducing just to think about what that what that could mean in that situation. I mean, it's and you know, and we're, it's still a, it's still a thing. I mean, I know Colin, you have you've had to deal with. Obviously, it's been in the news that people have been following, like as far as soccer and and things that have happened for you in in USL and sort of continuing to sort of have to deal with um with situations uh not even not necessarily just people don't there, there's obviously there's there's hatred and there's ignorance that is acute and directed and then there's sort of the atmosphere of just you know like words that people don't understand what they mean or they don't mm -hmm. really know what they are saying when they say those things like is mm -hmm. that what just tell go over for us a little bit about your experience you know in the, in the last couple of years with that stuff because it's been it's been dramatic i think yeah. Um, first of all, Tony, I think that's so cool. Um, and, and I think at some point in my career, I need to play in a gay games or something like that. Like, like I need to be a part of a team like that. Like that'd be amazing. So I need to, I need to figure that out. I need to put that on my future goals list or something. <laughs> you got it. Um, but, uh, but yeah, no, I mean, for, for those of you that haven't heard about it, I, there was a, a slur that was used at the end of last season. Um, and uh, it was used by a player in, in their native, I'd, I'd say language, I guess, or like a um, slang from their native language. Um, but I was familiar with it um, because of uh, just growing up in locker rooms with different people from different cultures and hearing it. Um, and uh, basically it was at a time when our team was, was talking about uh, standing up for what was right. And we had a, a teammate the week before that was, um, the N word was used, uh, to him and, um, and, and, and basically the following game, I, I, I had a slur directed at me. And, um, so I decided to speak up and, and t tell the referee and it ended up being this huge thing. And, um, at the time I, I didn't, I didn't know it was going to be, uh, this thing that blew up. You know, I thought I was just telling the referee what happened and, and whatever. I, I don't even know. He could have, I, I honestly, I think, 
I thought he was just going to like give the guy a yellow card and we were going to continue to play the game and nothing was going to ever happen or something. It's not like I had uh, like something I wanted to happen here, you know, like, but, um, but yeah, I, I, I just say that, yes, this, this type of language is, is, is still used and, um, and, uh, there's still a lot of prejudice and, and misunderstanding. And, um, and so, uh, if anything, I, I, I take it on myself to, 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 uh, to try to educate people as, as I can and, and, and just try to, uh, normalize like people, um, in the LGBTQ community playing sports and allow, uh, that to be a safe space for people. Cause that's still not the case. And, um, uh, yeah, um, sucks that it still happens. I mean, and, and then it happened, uh, I think last week in a game, some, someone used that same slur to a player and the USL said, Oh, we're not so sure if that was actually said. And I just want, I, I was just, I'm not happy it happened, but like there was people that thought that, that that slur didn't, wasn't used to me in the first place. Mm-hmm. And so now that it's another player said a hundred percent that he heard it said to him, it's like, okay, well, and then of, of course I screenshotted like people that were like unsure of the word or unsure of like, Oh, why do you even care if that word was used to you? Well, then I, I would get hate messages on Instagram and I, I screenshotted the word used to me several different times and like in pretty vulgar terms. Mm-hmm. So I think it doesn't really matter what the word is necessarily, but I mean, it's, um, it's, it's the, the hate behind it and, and the lack of understanding that that really is um, upsetting at times. Yeah. I mean, I think there's been a ton of, uh, you know, over the last year, you know, certainly it's something that we, um, in in Minnesota, uh, Mm -hmm. being sort of the epicenter of of following George Floyd's murder, you know, like this question of uncomfortable conversations that, you know, you need to have. And in Minnesota, uh, you know, people know about Minnesota, we're not great at having uncomfortable conversations. (laughs) And Mm -hmm. so you can sometimes be a little reserved. And I think it's Mm -hmm. one of those things where people sometimes need to get pushed out of their, their comfort zones a little bit. And And it's a chance for, like you said, for education and understanding, hoping yeah. that those things can make a difference. So, well, and uh, to go off on a kind of a tangent, but for me, um, leaving Minnesota the year before um, uh, George Floyd's murder, it obviously gave me a, a, a ton of perspective. Like for for me, one of the, one of the the really hard things about this whole situation, the the whole um, tragedy, was that like. In the three years that I was in Minnesota, I saw a place that was going out of the way to be inclusive, that like, like politically was inc- is incredibly engaged and tries to do the right thing, things for poor people in, their, in the state, tries to be inclusive with immigrants, tries to have language and systems that, that, that try, to, um, try to do the right thing for oppressed people, but they're still letting down people and they're still just so behind in, 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 in terms of justice and in terms of our criminal justice system. And, and, and so it just, it, it made me so sad thinking about where the rest of our country is too, you know, because I saw the state that was so progressive and, and is trying to do the right and has amazing people in it. And I'm like, if they're failing, just like other places in America are failing, like it just, it's just, it's just heartbreaking, you know, because um, I mean, it just shows we all can do better, but like, that's not the Minnesota I, I know, you know, and, and I'm sure that's how a lot of people feel. So, but I think it also gives 
Minnesota a chance to to be at the forefront of these conversations and and hopefully um, try to do right by the by its people. So. Yeah, I mean it's absolutely something that's like we have to live up to it. You know, we have to yeah. walk the walk as well as 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 well as talking the talk and and for sure. You know, and hopefully we you know that like for Minnesota United, you know, we as a as a as a soccer team, and again mm-hmm. with soccer as sort of having this message of inclusion and acceptance, mm-hmm. it's really our chance to say like this is the way we want the game to yeah. be. And it's about yeah. a team is about bringing people in, not keeping people yeah. out. And that's that's what we really want to be at. So. And and your team, your team now has incredible voices and 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 guys that are just great role models like Jacory and and yeah. and just like. Uh, obviously, Boxy is a, a a little activist in his own in his own own way, but just guys that are amazing examples for for the community and um, are going to continue to hopefully push the conversation the right way. Yeah, and also in terms of Minnesota soccer, I want to circle back to the thing I mentioned earlier, Tony, that playing for the for the Gray Ducks because we've we've hooked up with them a little bit and had some discussions, and that's how we, we how, that's how we connected with you. Um, so tell me a little bit about that experience of of you know you guys did very well in uh, in a tournament. So yeah, so so uh, before COVID, uh, played uh, two years with the Minnesota team in the indoor world championships. Uh, first year they had a sponsor and the gentleman is a good friend of mine. And he said, Oh, I want you to get hooked up with the Minnesota team. And, and I said, do they know how old I am? (laughs) Because I mean, I'm sitting there putting my, put my shoes on and, and the, the kid, I'll say the kid, the kid next to me, he's like, Oh, you know, how old are you? And I'm like, Oh, you know, I'm, you know, 55. And he's like, Oh, he's like, you're my mom and dad's age. And I was like, <laughs> and I said, well, how old are you? He said, 22. I'm like, oh, my partner and I have been together longer than you've been alive. So <laughs> it was that kind of fun. Um, but uh, I went and I thought, you know, I'm just going to go and have, have a good time. I started my career in Minnesota and, you know, it, it's nice to go. And, and like Colin was just saying, the Minnesota people are so accepting and so I thought oh I'll just go and play with these guys and and as soon as you get on the field I mean no matter how old you are the the competition the competitiveness kicks in and so I was on the Minnesota Grey Ducks 2 team and there was a, a one team and um and we ended up beating the first team and then we met them in the finals again and we lost but our our teams came in first and second and Wow. And I was I was voted the MVP of the tournament. Um, <laughs> what? Which was which was insane. I'm I'm like that's incredible. <laughs> so I I think Colin they felt. What were you do? What were you doing out there? Were you scoring just banging in goals the whole time? I I had a few, but I I think I think they felt bad for the old guy that made it through the whole tournament. <laughs> no, I don't know. That's that's awesome. <laughs> but then the uh, the next year I went back to Vegas in the indoor championships and we won again. So it was it was awesome and. And it was just, again, so inclusive. The Grey Ducks are amazing. It's an amazing organization. And Steve, I'm so glad that you guys at, uh, at, at United are, are, are really involved with them because talk about activism and inclusiveness. That, you know, Ryan Adams is mm-hmm. amazing. Um, just a, a super guy. And he really is trying to just bring forward where. Um, Colin, you said something earlier about normalizing. 
I don't want it to be normalized. I just want to go on the field and not even have to say what it, you know, like. No, of course. Yeah. Right. It doesn't have to be normal. We just, we're players, athletes, who cares? Yeah. Yeah. And, and to, to still go through what you're going through now is, is absurd. And yeah, you know, uh, um, more say I'm more so when I mean that, I mean, like the, the, just the conversations I have to have with my teammates Mm -hmm. to just educate them on like normal stuff that has to do with being gay. Like, it's not that crazy of a concept here, you know? (laughs) So like, but but it's sad that I have to be the reference for, for them at times, you know, it's just like, have you not walked outside and been in this world and met some gay people before? Like I have a very small experience of what it's like to be a gay man. There's hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of thousands of other people that have their own unique experience. Like, like at the same time, like, what can I really tell you? Like, like that's going to inform you about our whole community. But, um, but uh, I think you have to take it upon yourself to try to do your best to <laughs> to be open and have these conversations with your teammates so that you can hopefully help them if if that's what I, needs to happen. I, th- I think what you said is educating and and it's yeah, it, it's constant for me. Yeah. It's, even at work right now, it's like, mm. oh, so do you have a wife? And I'm like, yeah. no, I have a husband. Yeah. And then yeah. and then it's a pause. <laughs> yeah. What, what like, do you do? What do you do for work now? I work for a government contracting agency in the okay. area. Oh, nice. So, yeah. So um, even the government struggles with 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 being. Uh, well, it's, it's a private using com- the right language. It, it's a private company, General Dynamics, and General okay. Dynamics uh, Information Technology is amazing. We have a group called Pride, um, and and they are just very active and are president of the company is is all in behind it um uh they're talking about adding pronouns to signature lines of Mm, names and things so yeah they're they're all in um couldn't ask for couldn't ask for a better company uh as far as being gay yeah it's, it's good and i think it's a thing that you know hopefully more companies are 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 doing that and looking at it and 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 trying to there's a lot of little steps like things like you're saying like pronouns again it doesn't have to be a huge sweeping change you start doing little things right you know it 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 goes a long way um I think we're gonna we're gonna have to wrap up soon. I, this has been a fantastic uh, conversation. I just wanted to uh, you know just touch base again and just see if there was anything else that you guys wanted to uh, bring up, uh, talk about. Um, you know, as far as I don't know, just anything anything that we feel like we didn't get to touch on so far, Colin. Uh, and, and how are you doing, Tony? Uh- I'm still here, Steve. Okay, you might be frozen. Let's. Uh, <laughs> was there anything that, that you still wanted to to, to bring up and discuss? Um, you know, you you talked about th- this is Pride Month, and and so being being able to attend Pride Pride events, people don't people don't get that. Mm-hmm. People don't understand why there needs to be Pride events. And um, when I first went to my Gay first gay pride was in Houston when I played outdoor down there, and it was during the AIDS crisis. And they decided to not have it the full blown parade, and have have a parade, but just in memory of all the people that were that had passed. 
And so it was so somber. And so it, it, it was just sad. And I'm like, this is not the pride that I, this is not the pride parade that I thought I was going to. And so the reason why it's needed is what Colin was saying, education, understanding, inclusiveness. And, and it's every day I have to come out to somebody. I, I play on a, a co-ed team. And in fact, I, we play in the championship game tonight. And, uh, and it's, again, do you have kids? No, we don't have kids. Oh, how long are you and your wife? No, not my wife, you know. And then it's, it's constant. And, and sure. it's, even when I play in an over 35 league in New Jersey every week. And so it's constant. The education, again, Colin said, we had a gentleman that said a word that shouldn't have been said, called the other team player. Um, and I, I pulled him aside. I'm like, you're a teacher. What are you doing? Mm, yeah. And, and he's like, I need to do better. I'm sorry. He went and apologized to the guy. And afterwards, he's just like, he came to me. And again, I'm what they know, right? Just like you, you're the be all end all with your friends. And it's like, yeah. I'm, I'm just one, one little cog in this thing yeah. called, you know, our, our world here. So. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Sorry, I, I got cut out there. I think I my my computer overheated. I don't know what happened. <laughs> that's, that's all right. I was outside. I needed to move in here. But. Yeah, yeah. Well, maybe, I'll, maybe I'll just uh, you know, Tony was just talking. You know, as you as you caught there, talking about the significance of, of pride as a celebration, a sort of uh, you know you know public uh, visible celebration. Mm -hmm. um, it you know what is what does pride mean to you, and what has it meant to you, especially since you know sort of coming out publicly. Yeah, I, th I think to touch on what Tony was kind of just saying um is that it's kind of like it's it's really a unique juxtaposition because you you grow up thinking that you're so different and that there's something wrong with you and then you get to this point where you're celebrating yourself and celebrating the unique uniqueness of others at, at pride and you're like wow i can finally like just enjoy myself with this huge community of people that are all so unique like my like little differences seem pretty small now. And um, so I think, uh, yeah, I mean, pride is just a, a chance to celebrate like each other's uniqueness and um, to come together and, and uh, yeah, as a community and, and, and just enjoy uh, what, what makes each of us special and um, to support each other at the same time. Yeah. Well, guys, thanks so much for coming on and having this conversation. It was, it was really terrific. Tony, good luck in the championship. Um, good luck, Tony. I'm, I'm sure you're going to do great. Uh, thanks, everybody, for joining us for the 147th Sound of the Loons podcast presented by Alina Health Orthopedics. Be sure to leave us a nice review on iTunes or at the very least a five-star rating. And you can follow the team on Twitter at MNUFC. You can follow me on Twitter at Steve Entrist. Do you guys have uh, social media you want to um, promote, Colin? Uh, just CM7MD on CM Instagram and find me on Twitter. Okay. Uh, um, what about you, Tony? I just have a website, TonyBono.com. Excellent. Yeah, go 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 check them out. I my Instagram is only food photos. I can't do anything else with it. <laughs> During the pandemic, I just started cooking, so that's that's all that's over there for me. <laughs> uh, apologies, as always, to Richard Wagner. And remember, there's only one person in this whole world like you, and people can like you exactly as you are. <laughs>